Hello, New City Church. Um, today, we are lighting a candle for love. Our family has experienced love so intensely and differently in the past days. Love in all its complexity, love in all its ri richness, and love in all its depth. This candle represents Joseph's love for Mary, who carried a child who didn't belong to him. This candle represents the love that Mary felt for an infant who was already becoming our king. This candle represents God's love for the world, for you, for me, for us, and for us, for our neighbors. The scripture passage I want to read is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. May we celebrate Jesus' love at Christmas. We Merry love you. Christmas. We love you. We miss you. Thank you for all you've done for us. Anna and Mark, thank you so much for sharing with us, uh, for being a part of our lives during this Advent season. You guys have, uh, you know, been had love expressed to you, but have also been an incredible model of love to us as well during this season and this difficult time uh, in your life. We are going to uh, talk about the last theme of the Advent this morning. And it's this idea, this adventure of Christmas that we've been on, because I really do believe these four topics aren't just words that we, you know, hold on to or concepts. They, they're ideas that we live by. And when we do, it takes us into some pretty exciting ways of living, some, some unique ways of dealing with circumstances, whether it's good or bad, up or down, the joys of life or the extreme trials of life. These four concepts really do help us navigate the adventures of life. And so this adventure of Christmas that we've been talking about over the last four Sundays ends with this one unifying concept of the word love. And love is, I mean, we love the word love, right? You hear the word, you're like, oh, I love that. It sounds nice. I like it when somebody tells me they love me. There are things that I love that bring me joy, happiness, peace, you know, hope, all of these kind of things, but I actually want to start with a verse today that talks about how how it operates, how our lives are going to feel toward others if we don't have love. Even if we have joy and peace and hope in our life, the other three key ideas of the Advent season, and we don't have love, everything kind of falls apart. This is why it's kind of the last one, and it's the foundation, and, and this verse is from my favorite chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, and for, it's just the first verse. It goes. This is a whole chapter about love, but I'm really only going to use this first verse today because I think it just sums up very quickly and very succinctly what happens if we live with a joy, hope, and peace, but we don't have love. So listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, 
but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I mean, I just, I, I grew up, I, I could not play instruments. I want, I remember growing up thinking, if I could play something, I'd want to play the drums. I mean, they just looked cool, right? And somebody who knew how to play the drums, they would, you know, hit it and just sound great and hit the cymbals and all that stuff. Whenever I would sit down behind a drum set and I would take those sticks and somebody knew how to do it all and they would hit everything at the right time, I would just hit things on, offbeat, but the symbol, right? You hit that symbol at the wrong time and the wrong way. And it goes from sounding beautiful to being just this clanging, irritating noise. We, we made the mistake one year for Christmas of buying our son PJ a small drum set. And again, in my mind, I thought, well, he could learn. Well, no, it was, it was a loud, clanging, irritating noise. Those symbols, ching, ching, it ended up in the attic. I think we gave it to somebody else and said, you enjoy this for a while. But it, it's, uh, this is what he's saying. Look, if you walk through this life, no matter what else you walk with, if you don't actually walk through it with love, you're going to be an irritant. It's going to be a clanging symbol. It's going to be off, just off key. Because even if you live with the other aspects of the Advent, peace and joy and hope in your life, but you try to live those without actually loving other people, you're going to end up being kind of a nuisance or a distraction or an irritant to people because maybe you're, you end up just showing them how they're not living and you're, you're putting them down. You're, instead of wanting them to experience what you have, you're distancing yourself from them. Love draws us together. Love takes these ideas of peace, joy, and hope and drives them deep into our lives, not just into our lives, though, but in, then into the lives of others. And I, I love this idea of love. The idea of love is simply this. Love is the soil by which the grace of God bears fruit in our lives. Love is the soil by which the grace of God, this peace and joy and hope, these other pieces of the Advent, produce fruit, bear fruit in our lives. And what's the purpose of fruit? Is to be taken down by somebody else and enjoyed and they can take it and take make it their own and make dishes out of it and create unique things out of it. It's fruit is useless unless it's actually taken off of the tree and, and enjoyed. Just a fruit that falls by the tree and dies is is not even good. It won't even grow into a new tree there. It has to be taken somewhere else, planted, given its own room to to, to build and grow and grow its own roots. And this is what this verse is saying. Like all these great things, love, joy, hope, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, all these things are great in your own life, but they're meant for much more than that. Through love, they are taken and given to others and they can take root in their life and produce a brand new fruit, something beautiful in their life that may be different even from ours. So I want to give you just a couple of things that I think about love that we need to remember during this Christmas season. Maybe, maybe you're walking into this week of Christmas and you you're, can't be more excited. Like you're ready for the, you're ready for the food and the, all the drinks together and all the joy, all the time with family and friends and everything. You just can't get enough of it. You love the Christmas songs. You love everything. Maybe you're walking into it in your little trepidation. 
You're like, ah, you know, it's busy. Sometimes I get overwhelmed by things uh, and, and you haven't got your shopping done yet. Maybe you're walking into it with extreme anxiety and you're like, this overwhelms me every year and it's not a season that you love and, and maybe love is the farthest thing this week that you're getting ready to experience. But I want you to know if we can, no matter what circumstance you walk through, that we can walk through it with love if we kind of do it with these three things in mind. And first is this, remembering that love is intentional. It's not by accident. Love doesn't happen by accident. We actually have to decide that we love people, right? We have to make that choice that we're going to love these people in our life. We have to decide that. We have to put intent into building a fertile heart in our own lives and a fertile mind by which love can grow. If it is that soil by which the grace of God brings fruit in our life, we have to tend to that soil. We have to be intentional in driving out the selfishness and pride in our life. So love is intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. Sometimes that feeling can, but even those that we feel in love with the most can at times be very difficult to express love unless we're intentional in doing it. So love is intentional. The second thing I want you to see is this. Love is expressive. I can say that I love someone, but if I never express it, is it truly love? It's not hidden. Love is not hidden. It's not even just said. It is spoken. I think one of the most important things about love is that we do speak it out, that we tell others that we love them. We we express to them how we feel. Saying I love you to someone is a powerful thing, but it's also demonstrated, right? I mean, if I say I love someone, but I see them in a time of need, I do nothing for them. Do I truly love them? So it's actually demonstrated. That's part of, like we put our hands to it. We put our we put our feet to it. We go. We do. We work on their behalf. We spend time. We sacrifice. That's what love is. But the third thing that the way that we express love is to understand that it's we also are defending them. And and I think this is where love, the expression of love, often falls down sometimes. You know, it's easy to love. Maybe it's easy to say you love somebody, or and then to do something. Love, you know, something for somebody, but what if you could stop pain from coming into their life? What if you could defend them and keep pain away or keep difficulty away? That's part of what love is. And I think you, if you're a parent, you, you know this well. You spend a large part of, especially in the early years of your children, defending them, trying to, it's one of the ways you show love for them is, is keeping negative things out of their life. And then when they do come in, standing with them and not getting angry at them, but walking with them through it. So love is intentional. Love is expressive. It's not hidden. But I think there's a third and final thing about love that we need to grab onto this morning and that love is exceptional. And here's what I mean by exception. Exceptional. We don't find exceptions to stop loving. We don't look for reasons to stop. I'll love you except for when you do this. I'll love you except if you you got to show me love first. And I, I want you to see that three things about this, the way that love is exceptional. Love is not a valve that we turn off. You know, so if I get angry at somebody, 
I'm like, all right, shut that love. You don't get my love anymore. So, man, isn't this easy to do in marriages or in close relationships? Somebody angers you and you start to do, you withhold love. You're like, until you get that right, I'm not turning that valve of love back on. That's not true love. That's not this expressive and intentional love. Love is exceptional. Even in anger, we fight to keep the valve on. As much as we want to turn it off, we say, no, I'll keep it on. The second thing is this. Love isn't a river that gets dammed up. So it's there. You've got all this potential to love, but anger comes in and people hurt us. And we start to build this dam of, out of bitterness in our life toward others. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a specific person. Maybe it's former family, friends, whatever it may be that we just keep building a bigger and bigger dam of bitterness in our life and we don't allow it to flow. And still water, water that does not move, does not flow, becomes diseased water. And you've seen this in your own life. When you get bitterness damming up that flow of love in your life toward others, it, you become a diseased person. On the inside, your heart grows diseased. It, it's not, you don't think right. You start looking at everybody at what's the worst about them than what could be the best about them. And the third thing I want you to see about this exceptional kind of love, that it's not something we can just stop, is that it is not a, it is not a well that will ever run dry. And it's because of this key idea of forgiveness that we have the ability and God has given us the ability to forgive. His well of forgiveness for us never runs dry. And because of that, our well of forgiveness toward others never runs dry either. This is what makes love so exceptional. We're not looking for exceptions to stop our love. It's exceptional because it overcomes anger, bitterness, pride, and unforgiving spirits in our life. So this morning, don't be a clanging symbol, trying to act like you have peace and joy and hope without love for others. Because you just end up thinking, great for me, but bad for you without love. Instead, take up the mantle of love, intentional love, expressive love, and most importantly, exceptional love that overcomes pain, anger, bitterness, and pride. There's one person I know in my life, many people, but there, there's a person, special person in my life who demonstrated to me this kind of love, and it was John Ramirez. Many of you know John passed away a little over a week ago and due to COVID complications, and John was a vital part of our church. And I had the opportunity to share a little bit about uh, John at his memorial service. And I thought one of maybe the one of the best ways we could end today was to end with me uh, sharing with you what I shared at his memorial service. And so we're going to end our teaching time uh, with me uh, giving you a chance to see what I shared about John and his example of love for us and for the Lord. So let's watch. Hey, my name is Patrick Thompson. I serve as the pastor of New City Church in New York City, and I had the privilege over the last eight years to serve as John and Anna's pastor. Uh, it is a privilege to take just a moment today and 
remember the life of John Ramirez and the impact he had on me personally and this city and so many uh, around the country and around the world. Uh, I want to take a few minutes this morning before I have a prayer time, just a thanksgiving for John to, to share what his life, what he modeled to me. One of the things I always saw about John was this. He loved to meet new people. There was rarely a visitor that ever came to, into our church that John was not the first one to speak to. Now, he would usually come up to me about five minutes later and say, what, what was their names? Oh, remind me of their names. He, he wasn't always best with their names, but he could never forgot their faces. And most of them never forgot his face either. They would come back and they would be like, who was who that guy I met? And as soon as they saw John, they knew it was him. John loved to, to meet new people, to make new relationships. I saw this not only in our church, but in the city with people who uh, were outside the faith, with people coming to the city to serve in the city. Uh, John was just a connector of people and a valuable part of a, a beautiful part of ministry that, that he modeled for me. But not only did John like to meet new people, John loved to invest in people. Once he got to know you and what you liked, uh, his first thought was, how could he help you accomplish that? How could he do that with you? What, what could he do to, to help you make the next step, whether that was introducing you to somebody or just helping you if, if it just meant being at a show or being anything that you were doing, he would invest in you. I remember John would show up to uh, movie screenings uh, with people in our church that he probably had no idea what movie he was going to see or even he would like it, but he liked that person and he loved the person uh, and he would he would be there. A dear friend of mine, uh, Jamal and Chase, were, were filming a movie and John even so much, he didn't just help them with that. He, he offered the entire building and his apartment uh, where they were staying to, to film this for free. And John just loved to invest in people. If he found something you liked, uh, he knew about it and he would invest uh, in that to, to build that relationship, not to really get anything out of it. If you know John, you know, that wasn't the case. It was to, to help you, to invest in you. The third thing I know about John was this. Not only did he love to meet new people and invest in people, but he loved to grow with people. Uh, I met John in the last 10 years of his life. The first time I met John, I was on, in New York City with my son uh, on his 10th birthday, my son's 10th birthday, doing a, a fun trip and a mission trip. We were staying at the MNYBA building, and the first person I met, I'd emailed with, was John Ramirez. I'd, I don't know that I'd ever met him in person before, that, but we went and sat down in his office, and immediately we hit it off, and one of the first questions he asked us was like, you know, have you thought about ministry in New York? And at that point, we never had. It wasn't even a thought in our mind. And honestly, we didn't leave that meeting thinking we're going to move to New York. But John just used conversations in such a way to challenge you to think, to challenge you to grow. And what I loved about it is he loved to grow with you. He didn't just expect you to grow. He would try new things, do new things. Uh, I had countless number of conversations with John. Breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, afternoon meetings, evening meetings, just hanging out together. Maybe it was at our apartment or their apartment or at a restaurant. Um, and John, we would talk and then something would come. He's like, I had an idea. Here's really what I wanted to talk to you about today. And as a pastor, sometimes when somebody in your church says that, you're like, okay, what are they going to complain about? John never complained. 
every time John said, you know, here, here's what I really wanted to talk to you about today, was he had a new idea. Something had come into his mind, something he wanted to do, and, and he wanted us to do together, to accomplish together. John never stopped thinking about ideas. The last conversation I had with John, the Wednesday before <coughs> he was intubated, he was talking about the new church he was serving at and how, you know, he was still doing a few things with New City, uh, you know, being our representative, helping with partnerships. And he was like, you know what? I just feel like I need to give all of my time to this church. I've got some ideas about some things we can do. And it just brought a smile to my face. John laying there facing a dark hour and he's still getting ideas about what to do in ministry and how to grow with other people. What a, what a beautiful influence of loving people and wanting to meet new people, investing in them and growing with them. But I think the final thing about John to me that really stood out and really set him apart was this. And, and I pray I can hold on to this in my life. He just didn't want to grow with you. John loved it when you grew beyond him, when you accomplished more than he ever could. I think the stories that I've read this week on Facebook, the people I've talked to, the the countless conversations I've had with people over the years that come to serve in this city and met John in college and are now pastoring somewhere, a missionary somewhere, are just leading incredible lives, um, being a beautiful representation of Christ in the workplace that they're in. John would always, we would talk and he was like, you know, that person, and tell me how he first met them. And then he would tell me how proud he was of what they become and who they become. And what a beautiful story that John's life was really not about him. It was so much about loving and investing and growing with other people in such a way that they could grow to do greater things than he ever could. John never put a lid on anybody. He always opened it and let other people accomplish what they ever could. We had a lot of people that would come in and serve short term with our church. And then they would decide to move to the city. And oftentimes they would end up serving at different ministries than our church. You know, and, and as much as we might hate to see them go, or, and I would hear John say, oh, that, you know, they were great for us. But you know what? Maybe they, that, they needed there more. Maybe they can do more there. And I think that was always John's mindset for whoever he met, whether you were a freshman in college, walking into a BSU for his first time, an intern, stepping into the elevator uh, of the MNYBA or walking up the six flights of stairs. There are somebody who walked into our church for the very first time. John wanted more for you than you had. And that's the abundant life that Christ offers, right? Exceedingly more than we can ever imagine life to the fullest, pressed down and overflowing. And that's the kind of life John lived. The last thing I'll say in this moment about John is this, is I love the fact John never left things unsaid. If John felt a way or had an idea or needed to talk to you about something, he would, he'd find a way to do it. And I, I miss that in my friend. I miss, I know I'm going to miss being able to pick up the phone and talk frankly, talk openly, and know that I have somebody on the other end that loves me dearly, wants the best for me, wants me to grow more than I can even imagine. And John, we celebrate your life today. Uh, 
this world, uh, this time right now is filled with people that you took the time to get to know, that you took the time to invest in, you took the time to grow with, and you desired above all that they would accomplish more than you could even think of in their own life or that they were even dreaming of. John, we're thankful for your life. I'm thankful that I got to serve briefly as your pastor. And, but more importantly, I'm so grateful that you, you became a dear friend of mine and somebody that I will miss dearly in my life. It's my prayer for us this morning that we would be people of love, that our legacy would be love. The love for others, taking the lid off of others' lives, letting them expand and experience things they could never imagine, living with love that is intentional, expressive, and exceptional. But it's almost impossible to do, it is impossible to do, until you've experienced the love of Christ in your own life. And I would encourage if you haven't done that already to use this Christmas season that we celebrate the birth of Christ to experience the love of God in your life. That's our prayer this morning for you.